I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, Color Grade listeners. I'm your host, KB, and welcome to the Color Grade podcast. Are you seeing all the colors? The Color Grade Podcast is an always unfiltered, always enlightening, and uniquely opinionated podcast about television and film that goes in-depth with guests that give a Black, POC, or queer perspective. Join me as I discuss highly anticipated movies and shows with fellow critics and friends of the podcast, interview some of your favorite artists about their recent or upcoming projects, and leave you with my recommended must-see watch list. Stay tuned. I'm thrilled to bring you a review of the South by Southwest docuseries, Demi Lovato, Dancing with the Devil. A four-part docuseries that explores Demi's trauma, career, mental and emotional state, leading up to the overdose that almost took her life in 2018, and how it fundamentally changed her. This is your trigger warning right now for an explicit discussion that includes topics such as eating disorders, sexual assault, drug use, and more. You know, this four-part documentary series premiered at South by Southwest, and I had an opportunity to watch early. You know, for me, um, this was unlike any other docuseries I've, I've really seen before, Demi Lovato was transparent and vulnerable in every single part of it. You know, using footage from the original documentary that she was going to put out, um, the only thing that's a bit unclear to me is if she would have been this transparent and this open in the original project that ended up being shelved prior to her overdose. So the documentary explores fame, eating disorders, perfectionism, mental health, addiction, trauma, sexual assault love, failed relationships, and so much more. It is heartbreaking, extremely hard to watch for anyone who has either personally experienced any of this or watch someone they love go through it. Um, You know, the interesting part of the docuseries is it's not just Demi's perspective, but it's family, it's friends, it's former and current business associates, um, and their perspective and their take on everything that has happened in her life. You know, there are so many layers who make us who we are. And as life is equally joyful, it is also filled with painful experiences. And what is clear is that Demi had and has some really great people around her who want the best for her. Um, but it's also clear that she has in the past been dealing with toxic people and yes, men. Uh, and that, of course, you know, um, contributed in a lot of ways to a lot of the decisions that she was making um, and a lot of the things that she got into. So Demi confessed in this documentary to being a fantastic liar, hiding her addiction and pain, even from those closest to her. And, you know, I think 
one of the most shocking truths about this documentary is that, you know, after she overdosed, just two weeks later, she rehabbed she relapsed again with heroin. Um, and that overdose, I mean, Demi almost died. And I didn't realize the extent um, to which that overdose impacted her physically. She had severe organ failure. And in this documentary, you know, her doctor chats and basically even he knows that her being alive to this day with you know, almost, I mean, she does have some kind of residual issues, um, specifically around her vision and things of that nature. But for the most part, Demi is basically a walking miracle. You know, her doctor basically recalls almost the shell of the person that she was when she came in, um, minutes away from death, literally, you know, her assistant found her and she was blue. And it's just wild to me, um, wild to me that 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 she went through that experience um, and is still here to live to talk about it. And that just kind of goes to show because Demi is someone who has always been very open about her faith. And even in this documentary, her faith plays such a large role in it um, because she recognizes that the work that she is here to do, um, and, and I think that she even may have said it in, in those words or, or something similar, is not done. You know, there's still something that um, is for her to be accomplished in this lifetime. And so, um, you know, something that the documentary, I think, really puts into perspective and shows is that the journey to recovery is hard. It's long, and it definitely looks different for everyone. Um, so, you know, since news of the documentary has come out, there has been some controversy in the media around Demi's current state of sobriety, which she admits isn't 100% because she does smoke weed and drink alcohol in moderation. Um, but she does say that she's off the hard drugs such as, you know, Coke and heroin and fentanyl completely. Uh, another bombshell uh, or more bombshells, I guess, that were were just um, I, I didn't expect or see coming in the docu-series. Uh, one was that she was misdiagnosed as bipolar. Um, and another was that her very first sexual encounter was a rape during the shooting of a Disney Channel project. And that that rape wouldn't be the last time that, that she was sexually assaulted. So, um, you know, this documentary shed light on Demi in ways that I don't think anyone but those closest to her have known. And, you know, something that is kind of clear in this documentary is that Timmy may not even have one person who knows everything about her, everything that she's been through or her darkest thoughts um, or, or darkest emotions. Um, you know, we know that she has many people that she cares for and that cares for her, but it kind of seemed, you know, from the perspective of this docuseries, that those people only know fragments of who she is and what she allows them to see in her life. Um, at least during that time when she was heavily navigating, you know, depression and drug use, it's clear that um, she was only allowing certain people to see certain sides of herself. Um, and I really hope that's not the case now. Um, you know, I really hope that she has that open openness with at least one other person in her life that she can truly, really confide in and be her full and total self. Um, but one thing that remains is that Demi's art has always provided and continues to provide a source of fresh air in her life. 
Uh, and something that really stuck out to me that she said was that she's been working on trying to be free for 13 years of her life. And 13 years may not seem like a long time, but it is, you know? And it feels like the release of this documentary and, and the music that she is releasing in tandem alongside it and her sharing with the world through this documentary that she does identify as queer and she is queer um, has allowed her to let go of the mistakes of her past and have really thrusted her into the future and the freedom that she's always dreamed of for, you know, I'd say at least the past 13 years, but maybe, maybe even longer. I can't imagine how hard it is to live your life under constant scrutiny, especially during formative years, especially with the pressures of this industry. But Demi is so bold for sharing this docuseries with the world, and I applaud the way that she is raw and transparent, at least it seems, you know, um, at, at this nature and at this turn, at this turning point in her life. And no matter what Demi chooses to do next, I do hope, I, again, I do hope that she is healthy, happy, honors herself, and lives her truth completely and fully in ways that keep her here on this earth, doing what she loves with those she loves for a very, very long time. So Demi Lovato, Dancing with the Devil, is definitely color grade approved for me. You know, I think it is an in-depth docuseries that sheds light on so many things that we as 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 women and people of color and people um, who identify in the queer community have gone through or struggled through at one point or one time in their lives. And so while I am not someone who identifies at, at all of these intersections, I have a couple of them. And so just being a Black woman, there are things that Demi shared in this documentary, um, like feeling like just the weight of the world and the responsibility of the world on her shoulders, something as I just as a Black woman could 100% identify with. And I'm sure that those in the queer community who... Um, who identify um, alongside Demi can have some, some things that she said in this docuseries and take that away as well. Um, You know, Demi just, just being a woman uh, just first and foremost and identifying as a woman, I will say Demi shared some things about not feeling safe, particularly in certain spaces and, and having to navigate that with men that I know that each of us who have identified as women 100% understand, you know, and, and there's been a lot of talk and a lot of conversation recently, even on Twitter about it and how we have to navigate walking home alone, how we have to navigate public transportation, how we have to navigate everything in our lives and how we're always considering our safety. That's something that she brings up that I wholeheartedly related to. So, um, you know, whether we have been vocal about our fears or afraid to share, which Demi also talks about, I just love that she was able to transparently talk about, you know, hurt, pain, self-destruction, running from pain. And, you know, while Demi's life lessons are under far more scrutiny than most, I applaud her for being bold enough to tell her story of trauma, pain, and healing on her own terms. And now for our next segment, Let KB Put You On. This week, I am recommending Emily in Paris. 
So uh, if you've been living under a rock since this premiered at the end of 2020, uh, then I don't know what to tell you because Emily in Paris has been all over social media. And you know what? I am not afraid to say that I absolutely adored it. Now, I will say it is problematic in a lot of ways. One of the largest ways is here comes this American girl, Emily, portrayed by Lily Collins. Uh, She's 20 something. And, you know, her boss has this grand opportunity to move to Paris, but ends up finding out that she's pregnant and can't go. So she sends Emily. Emily is uh, traditionally American in the sense that she does not speak French. Uh, and she actually was not moving to Paris. So that's a little bit of my point of contention. You know, when she gets to the Paris office, everyone's like, I can't believe you came here and you don't speak French. When technically she had like a week to prepare (laughs) to move to Paris. Uh, And, you know, it was under kind of, you know, funny circumstances, but definitely circumstances that she did not plan. Um, Now, what Emily does when she gets to Paris, that's a completely different story. So I will say, you know, I would prefer to see more diversity in this series from front to back and to have those characters of color play more prominent roles in season two. Yes, it has been renewed. Uh, But overall, it was such an easy watch. And I love love, love Paris. It is quite frankly, my favorite city that I've been to thus far and my favorite city in the world. There's just some light and magic about it that I just truly enjoy. So for me, you know, a lot of my enjoyment of this series was watching Paris, which is like an extra character, but also getting to see this young girl kind of explore her sexuality, life abroad, you know, figure out what it's like to work in this international office uh, and have to manage certain expectations, not only for herself, but you know, from a corporate perspective, from a dating perspective, from a life perspective. Um, I just think that Ashley Park is amazing in this. So she portrays Mindy Chen, who is a nanny and really the very first person that Emily befriends in Paris. uh, And so it's wonderful. Of course, there is nothing but drama in Darren Star Productions. And you may know Darren Star from his work creating the Sex and the City television series and also Younger. And so, you know, in a Darren Star production, there is, you know, clearly nothing but drama when it comes to love. So Emily meets this handsome chef, uh, Gabrielle, and uh, things escalate. And that's all I'm going to say about that, because I don't really want to spoil what happens. But I will say that Emily's time in Paris is a whirlwind. And, you know, she's really trying to figure out who she is. She has to break up with her American boyfriend, of course, naturally, because also, girl, don't move to Paris with a boyfriend. Come on. I mean, didn't we learn anything from the To All the Boys I've Loved Before series? Mama said, don't go to college with a boyfriend. Well, I'm saying don't go to Paris with a boyfriend either. You don't move there with a boo. You find new boos. And that's exactly what Emily does. It is lighthearted in a lot of ways. Uh, You know, there's tons and tons of drinking wine. And quite frankly, 
you know, it just reminded me of uh, the lives that I live when I go to Paris and how I need to go back soon. So yes, check out Emily in Paris season one. I have no idea when season two will drop, but you can binge watch Emily in Paris now, the first 10 episodes only on Netflix. This week, I am also recommending a biographical documentary, Oscar-nominated short film, A Love Song for Latasha. So uh, this incredible short is also available on Netflix and was directed by Sophia Nali Allison. Uh, when I say it is the one of the most intriguing short films I've ever seen in my entire life, but especially this year, um, I was completely enthralled and just drawn into every moment of this this short film. The subject is Latasha Harlins, who was a young Black girl who was shot and killed in Los Angeles in 1991. And just seeing how the people who loved her the most are still dealing with her absence and managing their grief and uplifting who she was as as a daughter, as a sister, as a granddaughter, as a cousin, as a student. Uh, Latasha had such grand dreams. And the entire time that I was watching this, I couldn't help but thinking that I really, really wish she had that opportunity. Um, Latasha's murder uh, by a convenience store owner in LA really was the spark for the riots uh, that came shortly thereafter. Uh, And, you know, it is a love letter. It is a love letter to Latasha who had just such beautiful words and was a poet in her own right. And they incorporate some of the poetry and words that she had written into the film. They incorporate, you know, her family writing, um, you know, writing some of their own words for her and honoring her memory. Uh, and, and really it does. What what I love that Sophia does is, you know, she really sets out to kind of restore the memory of of Latasha's life and how harrowing those events were. And, you know, um, I just, you have to watch. It's beautiful, it's heartfelt, but it's also infuriating and it's incredibly sad. And it just is a reminder that Black children are not protected um, still, you know, this happened in the early 90s and I was too young to remember when this particular incident happened, but it was right around the same time as the Rodney King riots. And I do vividly remember those being on television. Um, But I just, it's so unfortunate that Black children are not given um, the same love and same protection, and we are not honored in that way. And I am so glad that this short film exists. I am rooting, rooting, rooting for them uh, when it comes to the Oscars. And, you know, even if they don't win the Oscar, um, I am so glad that it was at least nominated and people could just see how important this uh, short film is. 
and, you know, how needed it is and how um, timely it is. So definitely please check out A Love Song for Latasha, available now on Netflix. And lastly, my pick for a full length feature is going to be Godzilla versus Kong. Listen, it is a wild ride. Overall, I enjoyed myself through and through. Listen, I will be transparent and say, you know, at times the storylines were hard to follow because there are like five or six of them happening at once. Uh, And I would recommend that if you can, you should probably prep by watching the previous films first, at least one or two of them, uh, because this film definitely dives right on into the action and picks up right where the last one left off. But I can say, as a fan of the Godzilla and Kong and just this monster film franchise, you will certainly enjoy this action-filled ride with the craziest special effects. It was so fun. I enjoyed it through and through. It was just so thrilling. And, you know, I will say there is just a dynamic trio who I adore in this film. uh, And that is Millie Bobby Brown, Brian Tyree Henry, and uh, Julian, who are a delightful comedic trio and definitely one of my favorite parts of the film, for sure. Um, and, you know, I, I'm sorry, I don't want to mispronounce Julian's um, last name, but uh, Julian Dennison. So yes, absolutely. Check out Godzilla vs. Kong. Listen, um, a lot of people know that I am a huge Friday Night Lights fan. Huge, like next level. Uh, And so Kyle Chandler is back portraying Millie Bobby Brown's father again. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. He's kind of a terrible father in this uh, because how does your daughter make it all the way to China? And you have no idea. Then you show up to China and y'all run into each other on the streets. Sir, sir, I need you to know where your daughter is at all times. Uh, But that's part of the wildness of it, for sure. And uh, something that I actually really enjoyed about this film is the representation. So there is a deaf character. Uh, Her name is Gia, and she is portrayed by Kaylee Hoddle. She's phenomenal. She's actually like the best character in the film. She has a crazy special bond with Kong and I I adore it. I adore it absolutely. So Damien Bashir is kind of the villain type in this film. Uh, you know, there's always a villain. There's always someone who wants to take over the world, has all the money in the world and starts to create the most ridiculous things for their personal gain. This is no different. Um, But I will say the cast is stacked. It's super diverse. And, you know, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And if you are a true blood fan, Alexander Skarsgård is also in this. And, uh, you know, a film that has yet to be released, but it did get picked up at Sundance and will be heading to Netflix is passing. It is directed by Rebecca Hall. 
Well, Rebecca Hall is in this film. And this, ironically, is actually the film where she decided she needed to have Alexander Skarsgård in passing. So you can see their portrayal as colleagues in this particular film, both scientists working on various missions, but working very, very closely with Kong. Um, You know, I'm not going to lie to you. I think often about how... Kong does the hard work in this film by relocating his dislocated shoulder on a building. Wild. Um, And there is a bit of a twist that I'm not going to share, but when these two bad monsters realize who the actual villain is, we get ourselves a little bit of a team up. And so, yeah, Watch Godzilla, Godzilla, excuse me, Godzilla. Clearly, I'm the one who I, I love the team up so much, I'm giving them a little mashup name. So definitely watch Godzilla versus Kong. It's out now on HBO Max. It's wild. And listen, things don't always have to make sense, okay? Sometimes you just want to see a great action film. And that's exactly what you get here with Godzilla versus Kong. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Color Grade Podcast. I'm your host, KB, and you can find me on social media at the Lady KB, at the Lady K-A-Y-B on Instagram and Twitter. Also, please follow the Color Grade Podcast on all social media platforms at Color Grade Pod. The Color Grade is produced by Domino Sound with lead producer and editing by Randy Chapman. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.